We're talking to Adam Simon today, a screenwriter, filmmaker. Uh, he's doing things with his fingers. He's drinking, uh, <laughs> they turn your stomach into acid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is bang? When did, when did bang become a thing? The second that I, uh, that I uh, started getting sober. <laughs> when did you, well, no, I didn't, I mean, I, wait, how long, I mean, I don't think we talked about that the last time when, when Point Blank came out. No, I mean, I mean, look, man, like uh, there's a lot of people that have different philosophies about this and different ideas about it. I'm not trying to poo-poo anybody's journey, yeah. right? Like, you know, I think A is definitely, definitely got its place and, and um, you know, I was in AA for a while. Um, but I kind of found this cool, uh, like, I like where I'm at. Like, I like where I'm at in my life. I don't, you know, I don't, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not going out to ruin, you know, I've spent, spent time in therapy and I've got a great business and great people around me. You know, really like, I think like with anything in life, at least for me, like my, my path, my journey and all this has just been, it's about the people you surround yourself with. Like you are the company that you keep. And if you're running around in kind of a, a circus, you know, then yeah. that's, that's what you're going to get wrapped up in. And I, you know, and for some people, they love that. Like there's a lot of people who love the sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of Hollywood environment. I'm just not that guy. Like, you know, I'm 43. I got two yeah. kids. Um, I'm, I'm in a, an amazing relationship. I've got, you know, the best business partner in the world, uh, working on projects that I really care about. And so, you know, that just, it, it makes you kind of recalibrate and readjust. And so yeah. I just had to pivot and, and move. Uh, because I was, I don't know, man, I think the last time you and I talked, I think it was, uh, I think it was kind of, I was forcing this, happiness uh whenever i spoke to people but really you know man i was i was struggling and and very angry uh and now you know uh, i'm just kind of turned a corner and feel really good so i know people have like strict rigidity when it comes to like sobriety and things like i'll never touch a cigarette i'm never touching a drink right right, right. i don't i don't operate in those parameters and people can disagree with that and say that it's, you know, good, bad or whatever, but I, I definitely feel better. I'm in a more healthier place and, and stuff's popping off, man. We're kicking ass. But I think that well, was the last time we talked, right? The last time we talked was point blank. Yeah. Yeah. So a year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, so, well, well you said a lot here, so, but I, I need to ask the question to get, to get people and myself caught up to where you're at here. Let's what, go. At what, at what, point did you decide that you needed to get sober and 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 Ellie, what was I mean you indicated a little bit of it that you were unhappy uh and angry but I mean I, I know that um when after you'd finished writing you would talk about having a drink but I never you know yeah. talk about anything over you know overdoing anything and you're usually a forthright person so what yeah. what actually came to a head I mean, alcohol was the big thing, right? Like alcohol is the thing that I, I don't even go near. There's no upside to it. Really, there's not. Like, at least for me, like for, for other people, that may be the case. But like, 
alcohol for me, it's a depressant. Um, I, I have a personality that has really high peaks and really low valleys. And those low, low valleys get really fucking low when you're drinking on top of it and when you, when you have that depressant in your system. So for me, it was alcohol. And, um, and uh, so I started moving away from that um, and, uh, you know, got, in, got into a program. I was in AA, had a sponsor, um, was in that for a while. And then um, that became, you know, there's a, a saying that some people have that when you're in AA, you can do AA like an alcoholic. So AA becomes your new addiction. It becomes like your drug. And so you're calling people all the time and that becomes like your whole life and you're swept up in this thing. Yeah, and it's just replacing I, one thing for another. Exactly. And so that that wasn't it for me. I was like, look, I, I threw myself into writing, got involved with, you know, back on the track of doing projects that I really care about, that I'm emotionally invested in, uh, started looking at smarter business decisions and really taking inventory of myself and who I was spending my time with, you know? Well, at what point though did this did this kind of start happening, and, and what what were the signs for you that made you were you having a real hard time w with drinking, uh, or were you having an, enough trouble that said, "Look, I've, I'm identifying a problem now. I'm going to take care of it sooner rather than later." Yeah, I was having a pretty big problem. I was having a pretty big problem, and, it, and the the problem was becoming evident in you know the the projects that I was writing. Um, my relationships with people, um, and those, you know, I think if I had to think of one, you know, thing, um, there was, uh, a script that I was working on and I was trying to meet this, this insane freaking deadline that was placed on me by this producer. Um, but I accepted it. Like I took it on and, and, uh, started writing on this project and between the coffee to get up and the liquor to go to sleep and the liquor in between and like all this stuff, I just started seeing it was affecting like the process in a, in a very negative way. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of guys who, who I know who, actually included as part of their process you know they're like well, i gotta i gotta lubricate man i gotta you know take it take a drink take a couple of drinks get to writing you know this is all part of this you know hunter s thompson kind of a uh, uh mystique and you know i mean i'm i'm just uh it just for me it started to adversely affect what I was, what I was trying to do. And so uh, I could think of one night in particular that was just really gnarly. Like it was, it was just a really kind of dark time. There was a, a couple situations that I didn't handle very well. And, um, you know, and I, I took a lot, uh, from, you know, my, my friend Shia, you know, looking at his life and what was happening with him. We had had conversations about alcoholism and uh, his father and how things kind of snowballed with him. And, and uh, so that helped me kind of, kind of course correct. Uh, but there, there was, there was one night in particular that I was like, oh, this is, oh, this is bad. You know, and I, I've always been kind of my own worst enemy, right? Like the, I heard Chester uh, 
Bennington um, say in, in an interview that, you know, it's when you're alone with, with yourself that, that things can, that you start to see, you know, where the problems are. And I am my own worst critic, but um, when you're, when you're stacking kind of this need to, to grab something, this chemical dependency on top of it, it goes nowhere. And there's, there's a lot of really positive influences in my life. Um, John Joseph Cromag, uh, I read, read his book, the PMA effect, um, and started making some life lifestyle changes. And then, and then, yeah, here, here I am feeling good. With the, 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 sorry, was that the band Cromag? Yeah. Yeah. The PMA thing that comes from bad brains, right? Hundred percent, yeah. John Jesse, yeah, he's the my, my buddy Jesse Mallon uh, has always been. He's a singer uh, from New York. He's always talking. I thought it came from him, but I didn't. I didn't real because I didn't know anything about bad brains. But well, dude, here's something that I've never shared. I didn't even share it with him. He came out to this is before COVID, and right when I was dealing with all this shit, okay. he came out uh, to the West Coast. And I hit him up because he was he was working on putting some stories together about his life and some other things. And so he was reaching out to writers, myself included. And we started talking and, and he was like, yo, you know, I'm coming out to the West Coast. And I was like, do you mind if I drive you around? And he was like, what? And I was, <laughs> I was like, look, man, I'll pick you up. I'll take, you know, we'll go find a vegan spot. We can, he's, he's, a, he's a vegan. I was like, or he's plant-based, excuse me. But he's like, you know, we'll go to these spots. And I was like, do you mind if I just, you know, like, I'll, I'll take you around for the day, take you to the airport when you need to leave, all that stuff. But I was really, he didn't know. I was really kind of reaching out for somebody who I knew had a rough, had a rough life and yeah. knew how to flip it, come out of it and, and do something positive with himself. So that was a, that was a lovely time, man. And really got me in the right, I know this is some hokey shit, but like yeah. the, right, the right kind of vibration, right? Like yeah. I'm like, okay, here's where I want to be operating at. Like I want to be able to, you know, maintain uh, a certain level uh, of, of physical fitness, mental clarity and creative, creative kind of drive. And right now it's all over the fucking map. So let me, yeah. let me, let me get right. And so, yeah, and I'm, I'm there, baby. Like we're, we're going at it. So how are That's you, cool. man? How are you? <laughs> I'm gonna flip this shit on you. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm okay. I don't know. The, the last year, you know, it, I, I have other people have had rough. I always say that, but yeah, it's, it's been difficult, you know, it's like, yeah. everybody, it's like, you know, just, I, I'm naturally a guy that likes to stay home, but I don't like to stay home this much. So it's a little bonkers. Um, I was pretty bad myself before I had the idea to start this in earnest. Um, mm. doing this because I saw everybody was doing Zoom interviews, you know, because they had to for promoting stuff. I'm like, well, I can finally get to people. Proof that that hasn't really. I'm getting about this, you know, I'm not getting anybody huge, you know, or anything. But I mean, I'm still getting, you know, getting access to people more than I would have. Uh, I think otherwise. Uh, even with phone, and I like the being able to interact with somebody too. Um, yeah. Well, so that, but you know what's huge, right? Like, COVID changed everything, dude. Yeah. Like, it's changed everything. Like, the, we're movie stars are dead. Like, they're dead. 
It's over. Like nobody's running, running to go see something strictly off of star power. Even though producers and financiers are still funding movies as if that were the case. Like they're still throwing around, you know, things like bankability. I understand that to a certain extent, right? Like you gotta go, you gotta go sell this movie and a name like, uh, you know, John Cusack for whatever reason has got a bunch of forward value, you know, whatever. And so you gotta put him, put him in the movie and that, that's always been the model. But now we're seeing people create and they're going right to market. They don't have to go through this chain of film festivals and film markets and do this stuff, pour themselves out and do all this other kind of, you know, dog and pony show to get their shit sold. Really, story is king. Like, if the story is good, people are going to suss that out. And if it's bad, they're going to suss that out as well. And you can throw together the slickest trailers and, and, you know, try to market it in a way that you only release it so that you get you get audience reviews and you withhold that shit from the critics. A lot of people have been doing that tactic. Uh, and so there's still some slick marketing, but people ultimately are, you know, there. it's a new kind of a world that, yeah. that we're in. Um, you know, I'm seeing guys like, you know, my son uh, and my daughter, they're just watching movies here. Like yeah. this, is, this is where it's at. I, I watch movies on my phone. Yeah, man. And as, as much as purists, and I do agree, like I totally agree, like the romantic kind of feeling of going into a theater and, and not just romanticism, but, but actually the brass tacks of being able to see this thing in all of its glory. Yeah. I think that'll always have a, a, an allure and a place. But if I'm trying to get the most eyeballs in the world on something, yeah. it's going to this. I mean, the biggest celebrities that we have right now are fucking on Triller and TikTok, you know? So it's like, how do we get those people? How do we get those people viewing long-form content? And I think that's that's the new world. And COVID- Long-form being the key because they tried Quibi and that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> ah! I had a conversation, well-known director, I had a conversation and he's like, Quibi's the future, man. Quibi's going to smash everybody. Quibi, Quibi. It might, it might end up being it, but it won't be called Quibi. <laughs> I, I, I just said, I was like, no, they're making all the wrong, they're making all the wrong moves. And you, you can kind of see it. I mean, you can see, as soon as I saw a trailer for that movie and like, you know, much love to Liam Hemsworth and Christoph Waltz and, and everybody that was over there that worked on it. God knows it takes a hell of a lot of money and a hell of a lot of work to make a shitty movie, let alone a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> but the second that you saw that trailer, you were like, oh, how much was the budget on this? Yeah. Like, where are we at? I don't and think I watched anything for, for Quibi at all. Like, anything, that trailer. Right? I just, I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Netflix has got the right mindset. They're like, we're going to bust out a movie like a movie a month, like here we go. We're yeah, we're yeah. doing like exclusive content. Well, I think they've gotten to the point now. Well, this year is going to be. There's going to be. It's not going to be a huge, you know, star pack thing. But they're putting out an original movie every week. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and man. It might be something foreign, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it'll still be on Netflix. Yeah, it's like you know, I just I just look at the younger demographic. Like I look at young kids, and I'm and I'm going, you know, I'm looking at my son's friends, my daughter's friends, I'm looking at other people that I know, and just when I talk to people, 
you know, hands down, it's Netflix, Amazon, sometimes Disney and and Apple, you know? But Hulu's next on the chopping block if they don't get the shit together. Like, there's just too much to compete with, and everybody's competing with everybody. We also have a a little bit of social engineering going on in the sense that, at least for America and a few other countries, we've now developed a habit, and habits are so hard to break. And the habit is nobody's going to movie theaters. Everybody's getting their content in the comfort of their own home. So, so to try to resell people on, no, instead of sitting in your, in your house, you can pause it whenever you want, grab a drink, talk to your friends, have a discussion about the movie, get up, go to the bathroom, take a shower, come back, whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. We don't want you doing that. We want you to go pay $17, pay yeah. for gas, drive around town, get parking, but, get out. But the, yeah, I mean, people are still going to do that. I agree, but it's significantly less. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think if anything, you're gonna. I'm, I'm maybe call me an optimist. I think you're gonna see once we can actually all go places again. See, yeah. I think you're gonna see it just rebound. I mean, it might be a little bit skittish at first, but I think, you know, I, I, I think certain things. I think you know, like we're gonna see the blockbuster mentality. You won't see, you won't see smaller films even remotely probably get. Yeah, I, th- I think that's changed permanently. That that's good. But I think your you know your Marvels your oh dude, I'm with you there. I'm with yeah. you there. I think I think the place for movie theaters becomes like the big tentpole events. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I mean, it's been going that way anyways. But for uh, sure, there's, yeah. There's, there's always been stuff that snuck through, and I don't think stuff is going to sneak through anymore. I'm not gonna, yeah, I think the old way. you know people going to the theater to go watch. Godzilla duke it out with King Kong. Sign me up. I'll be there. I'll be. I'll be buying popcorn and watching that shit. Yeah. But like, you're right. Like smaller movies and even movies that are, you know, that's that's kind of the the kind of downside to this whole thing is I see him going to streaming services. But that said, just like you brought up Blockbuster, which is really great. I remember when you know, the kind of streaming technology was just starting to come and people were looking at, you know, this thing called YouTube that was emerging. I just remember having conversations with people and they're going, Blockbuster's too big to fail, man. It'll never go away. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, if they have a new technology that makes it easier, that makes it more accessible, of course it'll go away. And sure enough. Yeah, yeah. And so now I'm like, you know, are we at the point where theaters are going to go the way of, of the video rental store, or where yeah. you know, where are we at? They I might cons- they might consolidate. I read an interesting article about Marcus Theaters they're, that they're on solid ground because they own, I think they own all of their real estate, whereas AMC doesn't. They rent or whatever. Oh, wow, that's so like they're, 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 Marcus thinks they're they're going to be good. You know, Dude, do you have it? Can you send me that article? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. We'll do. Yeah, that's killer. It was. In, I think it was in the Hollywood Reporter, but I'll I'll double check. It shouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I think that's the that's the key thing. You know, you know, I, you, you, I sit there and I think about all the movie. Hell, I used to work for Cineplex Odeon. I used to work for uh, General Cinema as a kid. Oh wow! And all these things have been bought up. There was Plit. There was, you know, all these other, there was Lowe's, 
all these things have been bought and, you know, sold and, and gobbled up. And, you know, I just think there's always going to be movies. It's just going to be, that may not be, AMC may not make it, but right. Marcus comes around and just buys all of AMC's shit. Or somebody else, somebody that's got like 20 theaters in the South says, okay, well, I'm going to expand now that I got real estate. Yeah. Because well, that's what would happen when a theater would die out, another company would just take over its space it, it, yeah. they didn't necessarily buy the company so yeah man i i agree with you i agree with you i i just think you know there was i i think just on a basic like audience level there was a pre 9-11 movie going yeah. audience and there was a post 9-11 movie going audience that there were certain stories certain kind of flavors that people could handle before that they wouldn't handle after. And I think the same way goes for COVID. I think this was like a world kind of changing event for, for audiences. Um, I, I remember my decision to jump on board. So we produced a film. So our first film under our company, Boxcar Pictures, yeah. it's, uh, Andrea Bucco, uh, who's like a freaking producing financing wizard. Uh, and myself, uh, we started this company and it, you know, it was right around when COVID hit that I was looking at my friends who are actors, who are writers, directors, cinematographers, and they're like, well, that's it. We're shutting down. We're going to lock this thing down for four weeks and let's see where we are. And then it was, oh, three months, oh, four months, oh, five months. And, you know, we kind of looked at each other and just said, let's let's figure out how to make a movie because if we can make a movie during covid we're you know we're ahead of the game like let's yeah. let's just hit the ground running and do it yeah and there's a lot of people you know who were like oh we filmed a movie during covid and i'm like yeah sure you did with 15 million dollars in the studio behind you congratulations um but we shot this film in new york uh we were on location uh, Jordana Brewster, James Badgedale, Michael Richardson, um, Sophie Lane Curtis, who's in it and directed it. She's phenomenal. Um, she's great, just a great, really impressed uh, with her. She wrote it, she, she uh, directed it and acted in it. Uh, there's some uh, Keith Powers, uh, who's also incredible, Ruby Modine. Um, and uh, a couple other names that we can't mention yet, <laughs> but, but we, um, uh, we went out and we shot this, this bad boy, man. And, and, uh, spent, spent a month, uh, in New York and produced it, um, with, uh, Artemis pictures, this gal, Sienna Oberman, um, who did this, produced this movie birthday cake. And she's, she's done a ton of other, ton of other films. She's just this young, like maverick producer who just kills everything she touches in a good way. Uh, and partnered up with Tomorrowland Pictures. That was the other kind of piece. Um, and they're great. These guys, uh, John Reese Doyle and and um, and all the all the guys over there. And so we just we went to town, man, and and uh, just did it like a little special forces team. Had a little COVID compliance company that was. You know, making sure everybody was apart and wearing masks and gloves. It and and that in and of itself was a crazy exercise because you know anybody's been on a film set. It's like cut, 
all of a sudden there's a huddle, right? Like whether that's in the video village or right behind the camera and everybody comes in, it's like, okay, what did you think? You can't do that. Everybody's got to be six feet apart. And it's this crazy new dance that, yeah. that everybody's doing. And you have zones that only certain amount of people are allowed in. And, um, but we did it, man. And now we're in post-production and, and uh, finishing up. Uh, with that, and we're we're moving on three three other films. Andre is finishing up Immigrant Gulch, which is this movie that she's doing with um, Fifty Cent and John Malkovich. Um, oh, that's and then, yeah, and then we're moving on. We're moving on a couple a uh, uh, couple features, three features that um, I'm excited to talk about, but I can't. <laughs> I've been trying to cook something up with Joe Lynch for a while too. We were we're we're yeah. close. We're really close. Well, that's me, cool. Yeah, me and Lynch are really close to uh, putting the frosting on a cake that we've been baking for for a year and a half. Um, yeah, I, I kind of because I'm not on Twitter. I'm not. I don't. You know, I'm kind of like not seeing. I mean, I, I have an account on Twitter, but I don't. I it's a whole thing. I have to go on on my iPad. I can't use my phone because they'll if I sign in, they'll see the phone and I'll, I'll just be triggered and then I'll be shut down again. So, <laughs> um, that's, so how, that's, how, that's how Carnahan was, dude. Carnahan was yeah. up here. He's firing on everybody and then he's like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and the th thing is, the iPad's like, it's just collecting dust over, like, in the corner. So I don't really pick it up that often. Uh, so, um, which is probably good. I mean, you know, who needs to be on Twitter and yeah. deal with all I got, that? I got a couple things I'm doing with um, with Carnahan as well. That box, yeah, now Boxcar is doing with him. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's yeah. cool. All right, um, but you can't really say much more about that, right? Um, you know, I can. I think yeah, I definitely don't want to scoop, but like he's, um, you know, Joe's Joe's such a great writer and. Um, and director and everything fucking else. Um, and he's, he's kind of an all in kind of a guy as a mind. Yeah. Um, and we just had, you know, I like in, it's different. It's a different working relationship and it's a different environment, but I enjoy working with Carnahan like I enjoy working with Lynch in the sense that we get in the room and it's all about story. What, what yeah. makes the story better? There's no ego. We're just going back and forth with each other and getting something done. And I read something that he had written that is, I think, one of the best pieces that that Joe's ever ever put down. Uh, something, he's, he, something he's written that hasn't come been, that hasn't come out. Yeah, right. Because he's got that. He's got that. Um, he's got a couple. He's got white jazz, right? Yeah, yeah. I, which I, read, I think I read that. I, th I think I read, finished reading that, and that was really cool. Really but, cool. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that so you can't do that budget nowadays. Right. But like this, I, I read this thing, and I was like, shit. And and so just told him, I said, look, man, like I, I'm still writing. Uh, I'm going to be making my directorial debut this year, which is awesome. right. Um, but producing is and and financing and kind of putting these things together is what um, Andrea and I are really focused on. 
And I was like, what about this thing? Like, can we do this thing? And he's like, yeah, we can do this thing. So we, we started talking and we're putting it together the same way with Lynch. Lynch is a little bit different. We've been co-writing the script, um, and working on it. And I think everything that happened in the world and stuff that, you know, has happened in both of our lives, both professionally and personally, it, it, uh, is now you you start, you, you know, I can start writing a piece. But then if some tragedy happens in my life, I'm now looking at that piece differently because I'm different. I've changed. Um, And so we both, you know, kind of went through these really like intense uh, situations in our lives. And so now we're, we're, you know, back at it and it's looking really good. I feel really confident about it. Um, And then I got this project that I can talk about, hit, kick, punch, kill. (laughs) I love it. Kill. Hit, kick, punch, kill. Um, uh, originally, the idea was brought to me by um, uh, it was a, it was a it was a script. It was it was um, uh, brought to me by uh, Yaz Talat um, with uh, Electric Panda. But he he brought the concept to me and read the script, and I was like, okay, I got an idea, but it's going to require page one rewrite. And he was like. Yeah. Yeah talk about it so we we did came up with an agreement we wrote it and so now we're moving that thing forward and it's exciting like the shit that's going on with that so i'm, I'm cool. just, yeah dude it's it's so well it's I'm, glad, so I, I, I'm glad you're you're keeping busy um i'm also glad because you were talking about wanting to get on the produce again the last time we talked yeah uh, i remember there was like a tv show you were trying to pitch some yeah I don't know, whatever it became. Yeah, so there's the, the two, the, it was with Gamont uh, Television. So that was something we were developing with Gamont. Uh, it was called Rare Breed. Uh, and that was a, a show that I came up with my, he's uh, been my friend the longest. He's my longest living friend. No <laughs> yeah. damn me. We've been friends for a year. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Uh, no, I've known that guy forever. No, no, yeah, you, don't, you mentioned Noah before. Yeah, so we we uh, had a deal with Gamont. Uh, some things happened with the creative team. There were some shakeups at Gamont. So now that one's back with us, and so we're right. we're out with it. And then there's a television show that uh, we're taking out. Andrea, that Andrea actually uh, created this thing. She came up with the concept. She came up with the you know the first draft of the script, and it's called Shanghai Tunnel. Um, okay. And so now we're developing that with uh, Jamie and Jason Neese, the Neese brothers, who are producers on the Umbrella Academy. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and that thing's great. And I came on board with that. Andrea's like, you know, what do you think? And she creates these crazy, uh, you know, extremely visual and incredible pitch decks. And so I was looking at the deck, read the script, and I was like, yeah, I think there's something we can do here. So I came on board as a writer and, and went back and started going through the script with Jamie and Jason. And I think we got something really special. So it again, sounds like you're incredibly busy. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, like when, um, when COVID hit, there was the initial like, oh, this is, this is the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, go get food, 
you know, I started a garden, you know, right. got like carrots and beets and, and lettuce and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, teaching my son, this is what we got to do to survive. You know, like <laughs> just me and my boy, I'm like, well, I'm going to teach you how to fight. We're going to learn archery and guns. And like, you know, like I went into full like Vigo Mortensen in the road. And, like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Here we go. And, uh, but then you know, as, as I started to look at kind of what was happening, I was like, okay, let me not go full Randy Quaid right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> take, a breath. <laughs> take a step back. And then, uh, so I just put the pedal to the floor, man. And I was like, yeah. let's, let's write and create, you know, this is the time, this is the time to freaking do it. I picked up, you know, uh, boxing Muay Thai again, like started training again. Uh, and I'm, I'm at, I'm at my fighting weight now, man. And, and it, it just feels really good. feels really good. 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 Yeah. Um, what was the, what's the movie you, you did, you did film? What's the title of it? The one that you filmed? No, on our way. Okay. Yeah. On our way. It's on IMDb. Uh, got a little, got a little Instagram page for it. It's, it's, and it's totally something that, uh, I, I just love to like, switch up the game and i know i've got a you know just a few credits i've written a shit ton and written on a shit ton yeah that you won't find on my imdb but what i like is it's like man down's this psychological thriller that's got like a lot of heart and a lot of my personal life in it and then point blank i'll never forget like joe lynch he goes he goes i remember getting to the end of point blank and i was like well, that was a lot of fun like that was yeah. fun He's like, I really enjoyed it. And, and it was funny as fuck. He's like, who wrote this? And then he's like, Adam G. Simon. And then he looks me up and he goes, the fucking man down guy? <laughs> That's what he said. Because they're so different from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the same thing, like on our way is this really sweet, uh, beautiful film. And there was, there was, there was something in there um, that I, I was just like, man, there, there's something kind of universal and, and something really special. And it's, it's just a cute, uh, really kind of soulful, uh, beautiful little film. And, yeah. and, uh, so I was like, yeah, let's jump on board with this. Let's do it. So there's no guns in, uh, this, in this one. There's no guns in on our way. There's no guns. There's, there no, uh, there's no fight sequences. There's no, uh, uh, there's none of that. All the, all the battles are internal. And then this one you wrote, you wrote this one, correct? No, no, no. So oh. Sophie, Sophie Curtis wrote it when I came okay. on to, to produce. You're, you're producing, okay? Yeah, and like like any producer, right? Like I had notes, um, yeah. just coming from the writing background. Like Sophie and I sat down for an entire weekend. We went through the script and just kind of not just my notes, but notes from Sienna Oberman and from Andrea and from the Tomorrowland team and. And some of the actors, you know, also yeah. had notes. And so we just implemented those, put it, and then we said, okay, is this ready to lock? Like, are we comfortable yeah. to lock it? And it was, yeah. And it, it, it was just great. Um, you know, it was, it was fantastic. I, I, and I know a lot of people have said, maybe this is something, and I'm, I hope anybody that watches this or listens to this can take this away. Uh, I was told by somebody that, you're only allowed now in Hollywood one one kind of strikeout. That if you do a movie and it doesn't sell super big and it doesn't resonate with people, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, and you're not given chances to kind of grow as an artist and succeed and fail and, and do those kinds of things. You just have to be batting 100, like right out of the gate. 
uh, I don't believe that. And that's, that's yeah. not the kind of person that I am. I think, I think as long as you just keep coming, like I'm, I'm, I'm this way in, in my business dealings, I'm this way in my personal life. I'm this way when I fight, like I yeah. just keep moving forward. Like I'm gonna walk you down. And that's, yeah. that's, I, I think if any advice I could give to anybody would be just keep swimming. Like Dory yeah. says, if I Well, I think, that, I, I think, I think that's, that sort of thing's been said throughout, you know, artistic history. I think um, if somebody, chooses to believe that they can't get anything for something you know not going their way or whatever you know it 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 oftentimes isn't necessarily that people are preventing them or preventing that person from moving on it's themselves preventing them now there's some cases where I, i'm trying to honestly think of one but i can't think of somebody that just like made a big big splash in something was supposed to be huge and then they just, you know, nosedived right afterward. But I mean, I guess kind of the closest, even though it ended up working out for him, would be like somebody like David Caruso, who mm. in the films it nosedived immediately and crawled back to TV. But right. he still had a career, so um, yeah. he made millions from it. So that's that's a bad example. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily a true thing. And yeah, as long as you've got the fight in you to do it, I think. Uh, I think it's possible. It might be different for being an actor, you know, perhaps. Yeah. If, you're, if, you know, there are some people that you maybe either you get that chance too early and you're not ready and, you know, but I, don't, I can't think of anything specific myself. I, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I kind of had that feeling. I mean, look, I got my start as an actor. I was studying acting ever yeah. since I did and went to every freaking acting conservatory and... yeah. LA and, and, and New York, but like, you know, I just want to tell stories. That's it. I'm a storyteller. I'm the guy that, you know, it's the Irish, Scottish, you know, French blood in me. Like that's, that's kind of, I just love telling stories and, uh, you know, as an actor, you can tell stories, but when I started to see like, well, man, like as an actor, I got to play somebody else's game. I have to go in an audition, get rejected, come back out. And then working in a casting office for a while, I started to see, oh, wait a minute. This has nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do with your talent level. It really doesn't. You just have to get past the producers trying to hook up his girlfriend with a role. That, and anybody who thinks that shit is over with, it's not. It's even more yeah. than it was before or the you know director's cousin or the writer's buddy or whoever the fuck is just yeah. being thrown this thing or the guy who's paying to play the guy yeah. who's thrown down you know a million dollars so he can have this role in the film or 500 grand or 100 g's or 10 grand whatever yeah so that game was so rigged that i was like okay wait a minute i gotta make my own shit and so we did i went out and made this little indie called synapse uh, which now just got just got sold after me and the uh, director trying to kill each other for six years straight. Um, but it's but you know you have to make your own opportunities. And then when I saw like okay you know the acting informs my writing, let me pivot and write. 
and then you know that I'm writing and that's that's going well and I'm working on different jobs. Well, now let me let me produce and direct because I'm still telling stories. It's, right. it's still about that. So, yeah. I And you're right, man. Like, it's always been myself. Like, I've always gotten in my own way. It's been very, very few, like literally twice, twice in my life that someone has come along and actually snaked work from me. Right. In a, uh, underhanded, nefarious kind of a way. Yeah. And those people who've done that got my full fucking attention. And one of them was in the past. One of them was recently. Yeah. Um, and that's a really, it, it's very rare. When it does happen, uh, it, it feels horrific. You feel violated when somebody yeah. literally, no, and they take food off the table from, you know, you yeah. and that's a hard thing, but it's, but it's very rare. I think the good news is it's very rare. And most of the time you are your own worst enemy. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying with you, but I'm saying in general, that usually is how it, how it tends to work. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if people want to be paranoid and think somebody's out to get them nine times out of 10, nobody's out to get you, but you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think anybody's out to get me. There's a couple of people that I'm out to get, though, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Great. A walking contradiction. By the way, where are you based right now, man? I'm still outside Chicago. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Might as well be on Mars at this point. It doesn't matter where the hell you are. Yeah. We're um, uh, uh, picking up a dog. Uh, I'll, I'll actually be flying into Chicago to pick up uh, uh You've got to be shitting me. Ah, yeah. That's ridiculous. And of course it's now. Of course it's now and nobody can fucking hang out with each other. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> fucking stupid. I gotta, once this is over, I got to come out to L.A. <laughs> it's it just, it, I'm so sick of not being able to go. I mean, I'm just... I'm trying, I'm making all these, like, I keep looking on Expedia for package deals to this place and that place, like, 10 months from now, and thinking, oh, maybe, maybe we, maybe in 10 months we can go somewhere. I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do anymore. I can't take me at home. Oh, and then there's, a, it's, uh, I mean, I know people who have COVID. I, I know quite a few people who have COVID. Um, yeah. Especially in, in, in California right now, you guys are getting hammered. Yeah, we're getting killed. I don't know what the what the cause of it is, and I think the you know, look like are people just worn down by just they can't take it anymore. They just figure fuck it, we'll go out and we'll see what happens. I mean, so I mean, it's it's a very hard position to be in, right? And like I think that you know whatever your political leanings are, let's yeah. just create up this this past now administration did not handle that shit well. No. And it, it started off, the timeline's very clear, deny, deny, deny that this thing even existed. Then it's, oh shit, it does exist, but it's not that bad and it's, poof, it's gonna be gone. It's gonna yeah. be like like something that didn't even exist. It's, it's I call it the China virus. Um, but it- Your like, goes out, Baldwin. No. <laughs> but it's, uh, but it didn't. It didn't disappear. No. It grew. And even if you buy into the, you know, some of the conspiracy theories that the numbers are inflated. Oh, I don't want to even entertain that shit. Right. But even if that's the case, 
people are still dying. We right. still cautious. Um, but also it's so difficult. I mean, dude, we, uh, I went down to this, uh, stretch in Beverly Hills and there's, there's like, not, not the ritzy part. Yeah. The hoity toity places where, you know, everybody hangs out, but like I went into this one stretch and man, it's a ghost town and I go to some of these other places, you know, I used to live off of, um, La Brea and Wilshire. And uh, just driving down that street, there was all these mom and pop shops, these little restaurants, little places, yeah. little costume shop that was down there. It's all gone. Like all of yeah. it's gone. And that, when, when you start to look around and all you see are Costco, Walmart, and Target, uh, that's terrifying. Yeah. That scares the shit out of me. So yeah. it, it's a really tough time for californians but i think you know like with anything we'll bounce back and yeah i i think i think it's gonna it's gonna take more work than it's necessary to do but i think this administration's already taken day one to start addressing the problems and, and is hopefully gonna get us to a place of sanity at some point but you still have to convince a bunch of people about a bunch of shit they don't they don't they shouldn't need to be convinced of you know, but whatever. Yeah. What's it, what's it like out in Chicago? What's that been like for you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't go into the city much. Like, I okay, so I do rideshare driving in addition to my day job, in addition to this, and trying to write still, too. Um, and I mostly work out, because I, I live near the Indiana border, so I'm, like, on the far south suburbs. So mm -hmm. I mostly drive people, like, around here. I'll go into the city to, drive, to take people, but usually it's the south side, you know, I drive around the south side a lot, which, you know, Donald Trump says you get shot in if you walk down there. That's not true. Right. Um, you know, actually, I, I honestly, I love the south side of Chicago. Um, it's got some really beautiful, and, you know, most of my customers, quite honestly, are, are non-white living out in the suburbs. Hmm. So I have a lot of empathy for a lot of people because they're just trying to grind it out and get their work done. But if I get, if I get pulled into the city itself, like downtown... Man, there ain't much going on downtown. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of stuff, a lot of, you know, restaurants, because I used to write about restaurants, so I know about a lot of restaurants that have closed. A lot of people are, you know, barely hanging on and stuff, and a lot of stuff's closed um, permanently, you know, but, I mean, I, I don't think we'll come, I don't think businesses will come back that quickly yeah. around the country. Um I don't think there's a way to get it to the, back to the way it was before because unfortunately it's economics. You know, it's one thing with movie theaters where that's that's a cheap excursion. Yeah. If you're talking about going to a high-end restaurant or something like that, uh, if you're talking about even going traveling and, and once that you know or buying things that you don't need, you know, shit you don't need, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's we're gonna be. It's gonna take us a while to pull out of this. I think unless a miracle happens, but I. You know, yeah, I, miracles. Man, I I hope we can start to. I mean, I've been trying to engage people that recently that I've uh, had major disagreements with uh, politically or philosophically or whatever. Uh, I've tried to reach out to people to see if there's some common ground and something where we can rebuild. I honestly thought that a calamity like this, you know, like, like, uh, COVID hitting in the lockdowns 
would make us a little more compassionate, <laughs> empathetic as a people, as other crises have, that have happened on and off of American soil have had that effect or tend to have that effect. Yeah. And uh, me personally, I just saw so much more vitriol. And I'm not talking about news because that's all right. anyway, uh, left, right, center, whatever. But I'm talking about my personal experience that yeah. I started like, whoa, like this, these two people are really fighting over toilet paper in the store. Like I saw that. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck is going on? And it, it, it just, you know, so I'm hoping that we can, you know, maybe take a look at ourselves, like everything from the divisiveness that, that has happened under the current administration or the previous administration, the storm in the Capitol, all that stuff. I'm hoping that now we can kind of take a breath, look at each other and go, all right, so we're obviously a, a polarized nation here. We got some shit that we have to address. Maybe we can we can start to move and, and show a little more kindness uh, towards each other. There, there's so much, and I, I just did an interview, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I did an interview with Rick Wilson from the Lincoln Project. Right, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, that was really cool. We we were talking about how to fix that divide, and the thing is, it's it's just going to take time. It's going to be investing in 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 people that don't lie about things, don't right. not spreading BS. You know, I mean, today the the most interesting headline was this article. Or there was this article I read in the Post, the Washington Post about the QAnon believers, uh, you know, conspiracy people, a lot of them are starting to like, like feel that they were duped. I mean, I don't know what took them so long, but you know, I, I, they realized that once their mad king was, you know, had his social media powers taken away from him, there was no more message. Right. He just gave up, you know, he just kind of deflated. You know, it's like the fucking Wizard of Oz. It's like, you know, when you get behind the curtain, it's just some dude, yeah. you know? But you take away the, the bullhorn, you take away everything. And this is, still, this is still a guy that was president that had the power to call press conferences, to talk on TV. Yeah. But that wasn't his thing because he couldn't face people. He's a troll. Yeah. You know, he's a yeah. troll. Well, and just, just a bully. Like, yeah, and look, maybe he enacted some good policies, maybe he did some things right, but no. at the, end of the day, the guy personally, like, and as a personality, was a bully. And like, he's, all, the, the, he's the worst possible person for sure, for sure. I think to, uh, to ever, I look, I, I, I've said this before, and I, I think one day somebody's gonna like dig this up and probably try to light me on fire, but I try to look at like things like. Okay, look at Hitler. Horrible. Absolutely one of the most horrible people in the world. Hitler appreciated art. Trump doesn't appreciate anything but money and power. You know, and it's just like you you at least there's no there was nothing there. There was nothing good to say about the man at all. Yeah. There's, There's nothing good about him. Yeah, even in his personal life, but I think, you know, like we created him like that's yeah oh you you can you can totally see the political thing the way the the way the politicians were speaking 
he used all of that stuff in a hyper, you know, hyper, you know, uh, inflated way and just had no shame. And that was the key. Yeah. But I mean, you know, look at, you know, look at America. Like, we're not the most educated country in the world. Like, yeah, not by far. our educational system is fucking ridiculous. There's that great monologue that Aaron Sorkin wrote for uh, Jeff Daniels on Newsroom, where, yeah. you know, like, when you say America's, you know, the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck it is that you're talking about. Right. You know, we rank, you know, <laughs> last in math. We rank, yeah. we import all of our greatest minds. Right. You know, so I think we've set ourselves up for a long time with this. We're the greatest country in the world. Well, we definitely. Well, that's that's all holdover from the from the Second World War. Absolutely, and it's like you know, well, we we definitely have the largest military. We spend the most on yeah. defense. That's and all that money could be spent somewhere else, in my opinion. But that's absolutely, dude. But I think we've created this society that is all about you know. The Tooth Fairy and Easter Bunny. It's inflated ego. You know, and I've said this in a million other, you know, podcasts and talking to people, um, but it really is what Neil Postman wrote wrote about in Zeal Without Knowledge. Like, we're a bunch of people that are um, so emotionally uh, impassioned and, uh, but we're so little educated and... And we're absolutely convicted that we are right because right. our sky god, you know, has told us that this is Jesus Christ's country and that it's a beacon on a hill. It's a, right. it's a light in the dark world. And it's like, hold on a second. Yeah. Like if you've gone and traveled at all, right. you would know pretty quickly Toronto's pretty fucking nice. Yeah. <laughs> Vancouver's pretty amazing. You yeah. know, not, not to just stick to Canada, but Canada's pretty freaking amazing. Guess what? So is Australia, and 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 so is Brazil, and so is Peru, and so is Argentina, and so is you know, like uh, I spent time in Ghana, Africa. Like I love that place, and the, you know, Austria, like you know, Iceland. Like there's a, there's a million other places. Yeah. And we have the best healthcare. Not so. No. Not so. No. Oh, man. And anybody who's had to struggle as I have with, with, you know, debt because of medical bills, like you start to learn pretty quickly that a lot of healthcare, and I'm not dissing our healthcare workers, but I'm just saying like a lot of healthcare providers, they're just about. No, dead. that's exactly what it was. It, 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 the fuck they want to sell you. Not it, was allowed, it was allowed to do that when it was able to be corporatized. Yeah, but I mean, it's not being the the church, you know, or whatever, whatever it was. Once everything, be, the '80s were the start of the. Well, I don't know. You, you go back to the Kennedys trying to break up the unions and right. Um, you know, by by breaking the mob, starting to break the mob, and that co- continues on into the '80s with, with Giuliani and everything. And, and and dude, like I have a lot of sympathy. I really do. Like I. I even feel bad. I, I reposted this video of this gal who was crying and she was like, Donald Trump, please save us. You know, this devil Biden, you know, this, I didn't they're, even, they're, they're just very misinformed people that 
They, yeah, they, they, think the, they think the wrong people are the ones that are out to hurt them when it's not the case at all. But yeah, but my my heart goes out to those people. I mean, look, I, I uh, you know, my parents all hate this, but I, you know, I grew up in a really religious household, yeah. a Mormon household. Yeah, uh, yeah. I served a Mormon mission. Like I remember coming off that and going, I can't date anybody if they're not Mormon. I can never right. touch. You know, tea or coffee or this or that. I can't, right. You know, I've got to, I got to put these blinders on and live this way. And like, yeah. the Garden of Eden is in Missouri. And and <laughs> anytime anybody came at me, like, you know, Joseph Smith cheated on his wife, right? Like before, right. look at me, think I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. You know, people are like, you know, he did this. You know, this happened. Like they started hitting me with like these facts, and I'm like, no, no, no. You know, it's that Book of Mormon musical that yeah, I yeah. believe. You know, that's well, the, 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 the yeah. If you're living inside of a bubble, it's it's always, you know, it's uh, it's, it's hard, it's man. Tender. It's a very tender place to be living in. And buddy, these people with QAnon conspiracies and all this other stuff have been told, "Don't worry, there's a plan." The great right, plan, right, the great redemption, the great whatever where all these pedophile cults are get, are being swept up secret secretly the ones that are yeah. being by ellen degeneres and tom hanks and trump yeah. man he knows them all he's rounding up these guys he's arresting everybody and in the 11th hour he's gonna come just like jesus from the tomb and this is right and that story right yeah. fits right in line with this Judeo-Christian mythology that's layered into the American psyche's DNA. Yeah. Like we we want Gandalf to show up right at the at that battle and like go, oh yeah. yes. And so they believe it. And when that bubble pops, holy shit, that's yeah. gotta be absolutely terrifying for for these people. And so I have a lot of empathy, like I have a lot of um like, you know, I feel really bad that these people have been sold this line. I mean, listen, you watch the interviews with the guys that were storming the Capitol. They're absolutely convicted. I saw an interview with one guy who who's like, I told my son, daddy might not come back. We're going to go storm the Capitol. And, and, you know, I told him and he's getting emotional and he's crying. And he's like, but this is what has to be done. We're standing up against tyranny and this absolutely was robbed from us, this election. And these are Satanists and there's this satanic cabal that's taken over you know, the Senate and we're gonna throw them out. Let's storm the Capitol. And you just go, holy shit, this guy absolutely believes everything. Well, there's something very wrong with that. I mean- Totally. There's, there's, there's something to be said for people's mistrust of government, which is part of the problem. But it's gone so far the opposite way now that people just want to, they just force everything into their belief bucket and they don't see anything else anymore. And I think those people are just cut off unless something personal happens. There, there are all these stories of doctors and nurses and people saying that they don't really have COVID, you know, when they're dying of it. It's like, because it's not real. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I, th I think, you know, to bring it back to the art discussion, I think it, it's yeah. <laughs> imperative on us, right? Like, man, I was saying this before that 
no disrespect to the big tentpole movies, but it but it has kind of been distilled down with few exceptions. There are some exceptions where it's like, ooh, that's like multi-layered storytelling. Like The Dark Knight on its own. Right. An amazing film. And multi-layered characters, like you can even, it doesn't even feel like a superhero movie or a comic book movie. Right. But I feel like we've distilled at least the successful films, down into very basic, simplistic storytelling. Those are the bad guys. Those are the good guys. We're right. going to fight. And in the last moment, the good guy will rise. It's save the cat. It's, you know... But I that's know. always... I mean, let's be honest. I mean, when movies started, that's... Uh, storytelling's always been about basic. Um, you know, sure. you know uh, Westerns used to be... The, the white guy versus the red man and the red man was bad and, you know, or the guy with the black hat was bad and the guy with the white hat was good. It wasn't until the probably the 50s pulp novels and then the 60s, late 60s cinema that we start getting anti-heroes and, and right. stuff like that. And, and when we had, when, when once, and if you look at it, once Kennedy got killed, that kind of exploded all the dark underbelly of politics, you know, and then Nixon and everything else just kind of burst everything wide open. And that's interesting. I've never heard anybody explain it that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's actually, I mean, if you look at it, that's kind of the way innocence, quote unquote, was was ruined, but you know, by that. So right. the idea that, you know, your your leaders can be killed and our, our leaders, American leaders, can be killed and and a president can lie to us so easily and, and things like that that just kind of started breaking the trust in, in institutions. And then you have stuff like Ruby Ridge and you have stuff like uh, Waco. Oh, you know, I mean, you see the, where these things kind of, I mean, it goes all the way back to the Civil War with secessionists mm -hmm. and everything else, but it's, it's, a, it's a through line where this stuff is passed down from generation to generation and in the 90s, all these militias started getting formed. And now they're at this point now, and people with, you know, acting like Democrats are going to take away their guns. No, they just want to take away certain guns because nobody needs to have them. It, it's the, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty liberal center. I definitely want gun laws just, to, you know, to maybe be whittled down, but this, I still want us to be able to have guns. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not that crazy to take away. Yeah. Yeah, I've trained with firearms for years, ever since I was a kid, and and I just think, you know, just like with anything, with any kind of responsibility, whether it's driving a car or anything else, right. there really should be training, 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 right. training, and not just on the individual and people falling back on this. Well, the reason that we have that amendment is so that we can stand against a tyrannical government. And that's okay. true. So even if if you're gonna hardline that, I can give you your AR, you know, AR-15 or whatever the fuck you want to have. Good luck against drones and aircraft carriers. But if that makes right. you feel better against standing yeah. against political government, have at it. But if that's your argument, you should be pushing all the way. You should be like, yeah. we, we should be able to own. Well, tank. I mean, like what what just happened? I mean, I I I, I facilitate between. I know people wanted to do something, but it was so uncoordinated. Even while pockets were coordinated, the whole thing was uncoordinated. They could have gotten away with a lot more than they did that day. For sure. 
if they actually were coordinating, which is frightening. Yeah. It's just frightening to think that that, that was – I mean, you just showed foreign powers how easy it was to take over the capital. Yeah, I – I've I've kind of been reassessing where I stand as an American citizen and and where I want to go, you know, in the yeah. future. And I kind of feel like uh, not comparing me to him by any stretch of the imagination because <laughs> I'm not. But like Russell Crowe in The Gladiator, uh-huh. uh, when he's getting ready to run out into the into the big Roman circus in one of the first fights, like with the tigers and all that crazy shit. Right. And he's standing there. And there's one of the gladiators who's like, rah, and he's, he's at the front and he's getting ready to rock that big giant motherfucker. And then there's this other guy who's standing there and he's got piss running down his leg. Yeah. And he, and he looks at them both and then he just backs away. <laughs> let, let them run out into the field. Because, you know, the same kind of mentality that uh, I see or I have seen in the militarization of the police, where there's yeah. that, you know, they show up on scene and when and my father was a cop and when yeah. the kid, I saw my father handle situations where he would come in and try to de-escalate the situation. He'd come in and go, exactly. like literally, it was, hey folks, what's going on? What's what's the problem here? Okay, cool. Listen, I'll, I'll get to you in a minute. Like, see what I'm doing? Like, yeah, hey, yeah. This it's like, that's okay. You know, well, that, that's all the, the product of 9-11. They started giving yeah. everybody military shit. Yeah, now it's this. And it's yeah. like, sure, I understand that. I want you over there. I want you here. You're going to do this. You're going to shut your mouth. You're going to, and it, it's right. this It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And now that is coming face to face with this interview with this militiaman that I saw, you know, yesterday where he goes, you know, we're here expressing our, our rights that are that are given to us by the Constitution. And I'm not going to be arrested. And I've instructed all my boys that if that they are to refuse arrest. So I'll let you draw conclusions of what will happen if somebody tries to impede us or arrest us. And it's like, okay, so you you do that. Keep your hands where I can see them. Don't, you know, you know, I'm, I am the law. You know? yeah, but there, there is also this other side, too, where we, we are we are looking at especially with the, the idea that some of those police on the Capitol just kind of said, okay, come on in. And you got to wonder about the intrinsic, intrinsic uh, side that they're on, where most cops are, considering the last year. With- yeah, I saw this one video when they open the doors and everybody starts filing in, and this one cop is on video and he goes, uh, I disagree with what you're doing, but I respect you. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, <laughs> that makes no sense. They're going into the inner sanctum, man. Right. That's your job to stop them from going in. And by the way, if y'all line up and and uh, piss your pants and say you are in fear for your life and just start laying down hate, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, nobody would have gotten into the Capitol that day. Yeah. So, I'm not advocating that kind of like yeah the whole thing is it's, it's it, it, there's so much there's so much to, to think about with what what's been going on and and you sit there and you try to think about how to reach people but you also and I know that you're you're sitting there trying to do that empathetic thing but I it's man there's a significant portion of our our culture that seems like they're unreachable yeah and I think you know definitely with this white supremacist kind of, uh, not kind of, this white supremacist mentality, 
Um, if you're showing up to the Capitol and you're wearing a, an Auschwitz shirt, yeah. you're waving a Confederate flag, like yeah. I, don't, I don't give a shit. They're losers. The yeah. Confederacy lost. Like yeah. they're losers. They're losers. Yeah, I never under I never understood getting behind it. But that's another that's another point of our history where the the the, the government didn't stick around to kind of force them to give up their shit, you know. They kind of said, Okay, well you could run yourselves now. We're we're all one again, but you know so that allowed everything bad to keep happening down there, you know. I mean, dude, that was a history. I was, I was talking to my son and we, we were having a conversation about it. Um, and uh, I just told him, I said, I said, son, this whole thing was fucked from the beginning. I mean, we, we had a civil war. Uh, slaves were freed. Um, not given reparations, not given land, not given a leg up to start as they've done in other countries. Yeah. Um, they were given nothing and then penalized, walking yeah. black, loitering while black. Yeah. Then, then you have KKK, the formation of the KKK, these guys marching in parades in Washington. And when they're cracked down on, this is very well documented that those, those uh, individuals work their way into law enforcement. Yeah. Now you find that with right around the Second World War, you had Project Paperclip, where we brought Nazi scientists over right. to finish our atomic program, right? Right. You guys who were doing horrific atrocities and experiments on, on the Jewish people. And these guys were allowed to sit in the highest levels of government and, yeah. and rub shoulders with these individuals just so long as they gave us the upper hand technologically. Well, yeah. You don't think their ideas, their values, that Nazism, that white supremacy isn't going to permeate? Like, yeah. of course it is. Of course. Well, it's frightening. To, it's frightening to look at it during the before, right at the beginning and before World War II. The uh, the the crowds of people at Madison Square Garden for the Nazi Party. Yes. Um, and things like that. And it's like. You know, my thing is that I knew hate was still around. I, I just keep pointing to my grandfather who was over there and he, he fought against this shit. And he was a bit of a racist himself, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, not many white white people kind of weren't his age, I think, yeah. to, in all honesty. Um, but that was what he was there to fight, you know, when I thought we, and I thought we ended that discussion, but it, it's obviously never gone away. And I don't know what, what makes it go away? Yeah. I mean, you know, even on top of everything that you and I have just discussed, we haven't even talked about gerrymandering, Section 8, right. laws, the, the uh, prison for profit. Right. Yeah. You know, institution that we have in this country where we have more people incarcerated than any two countries combined. Right. Like, we, we, the, you know, um, distribution of crack cocaine into African-American communities under a project that was run by the CIA. Right. Like, country has a, a white supremacy uh, problem that is, uh, you know, terminal cancer levels. And, and that's part of the thing too, though, too, is that when you, you get to these, some of these things, there are, there are some things that are true and some not like, 
you know, the crack thing is true. I, I will never believe that AIDS was propagated, you know, uh, purposefully, but it, maybe I'm wrong. But that, see, the right. thing is, you know, all these conspiracy theories that, that come up, and it's because other ones have been proven to be true. Exactly. And even even if we take the HIV thing and move it to the side for a second, right. let's, let's talk about what has been verified, syphilis, uh, right. herpes, uh, you know, uh, all these different uh, diseases that were experimented on with African-American soldiers and volunteers and, and even unwilling volunteers. We know right. that the United States has dumped mosquitoes with different Ill illnesses over towns in Texas. So yeah, you get, you get these things that come up and you go, so why are we doing this, you know, God bless America, rah, rah shit. And then, and yeah. then when you hit people with those kinds of stats and facts, they come back and go, well, if you don't like it, just leave. Um, but we've, we've gotten to that point where it's the opposite now. It's like in the last four years, everybody else has been trying to defend this country and, and it's honor because other people have gone so far off the reservation right. that now we're the ones that are saying, this is America, like you can't do this stuff, you know, you just, but they're still holding on to the idea that it's their America. And it's like, well, how the hell do we get, you know, I don't know. I don't know how we get, yeah, how we get out of it. And I think how we get out of it is like, is, <laughs> To bring it full circle, it's kind of like go see one of your movies. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of like AA. It's like once you recognize you have the problem, that's the first step, right? Yeah. Like, and I think the one benefit of the Trump presidency is there was a lot of shit that was brought to the surface where we went. I I agree, and a lot of us, I think the thing that a lot of people have in common, left or right is we've been lied to, yeah. we've been lied to. On, on this one side, we've been sold this line that America has never done anything wrong, that you know God speaks directly to the President of the United States and that this is a, a Christian nation that is right. bathed in the blood of Jesus. And that absolutely is incorrect. And then on the other side, you have a group of people that have been lied to about where we are currently in history and yeah things that you know we we have done to be able to get here i mean we haven't even talked about you know native americans and, and yeah. you know the treaties that we broke with them and so i i think it's going okay look this is where we're at we these are the problems that we there have. needs to be yeah there needs to be a, a a a start from scratch moment but i don't know how you do that how you convince me the only thing that. you can do is like hopefully with <laughs> improving be. people's lives economically in some way bringing back a middle class uh, and holding people accountable for, for bullshit, uh, being upfront and not lying about stuff in government, and then getting education back in order. Man, education reform's huge. And and we're talking- And our education's gone downhill. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, and, and also campaign finance reform, making it so that lot yeah. and, and hold these politicians hostage. I, I, I just feel like, we're, we're now beyond going, I'm going to fix it now because we're right. a fat nation. We want everything like this. Right. We need to be looking at these problems of going, okay, we're going to start some things now that will fix shit in three or four generations down the road. 
that's got we got to be thinking like past our own right we have to we have to we have to move forward on climate change that's the that in my opinion that's a big economic thing it's huge it's huge because uh, it could be the next it could be the next you know post-world war ii boom i mean honestly you know yeah. get people back to work you know in this in this country yeah and i i think you know, the rest of the world yeah, and I, I think my responsibility as a human being is exactly what you were saying. Hold myself accountable for my own bullshit. Hold other people accountable for their bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, I think as white America, we got to take out some of our own garbage and yeah. uh, hold people accountable and responsible. And and I think for me as, as like a creator, it's investing my time in those projects that I'm all in on that I think can either shine a light on the cracks of, of what we're dealing with so we can yeah. look at the problem and maybe address it, or to tell those stories where right, left, center, everybody can kind of look at that and learn something and come together. I saw, yeah. dude, I saw a beautiful movie the other day, Sound of Metal, uh, Riz okay. Dude, yeah. he is hands down my favorite actor right now. Like he's, a lot of people, you know, are their own personal fluffers. And they say, you know, oh, I've seen this actor do, and it's like, whatever, you have a film to promote, so I know why you're talking. Yeah. Riz Ahmed is, that guy literally can do anything. Like his, yeah. the, the past three films that he, that he has done, I've just been astounded at, at his level of, of work. And it that's a movie where talking about deaf culture and the deaf community and, and also this really beautiful, tragic kind of story between these two people that are in love. It's just yeah. such a beautiful, beautiful thing. I've been meaning to watch that one because it's. I've been wanting to. I, I once I heard about it, it sounded really cool. It's really cool, man. I liked, him, cool. I liked him a lot of stuff so far. Do you ever yeah. see the night of? I think. Yeah. It was. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a disturbingly good, good uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. Yeah, I love him, man. I, I I think he's great. I felt the same way about, um, you know, he's a good guy off camera. Like that's another thing. And I know it doesn't matter. Look, and this is one thing I want to say before we close. Yeah, yeah. Shitty people make great movies. Yeah. One more time for the people in the back. Shitty, terrible, monster human beings make incredible, wonderful art. Yeah. And Beautiful, wonderful, respectful, amazing human beings make beautiful art. And guess what? Beautiful, amazing, respectful beings also make really shitty art. <laughs> it, 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 the, the quality of someone's uh, artistic character. work does not, does not the character make. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody, you, you don't judge any other profession that way. You don't have somebody come in and it goes, wow, man, you really did a good job on like the pipes in the house. You fixed all the plumbing. That's incredible. You know what? I want you to babysit my kids. I think you're an amazing human being. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's a fucking plumber. <laughs> and so this idea, and we, we have to be reminded of it time and time again, but I think it's because movie making is an emotional uh, right. Experience. So you get a connection to somebody. Yeah. So you go, oh, I, I feel like this guy understands me. Like he gets me. And it's like, no, he's putting on a great performance. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's a well, I've, I've had that issue with a lot of people. I, 
I will say that there's some people I have a harder time watching their work than others. Like I have, I have a real hard time going back. Uh, man, I Kevin Spacey used to be my favorite actor. Sure. A real hard time going back to watch his stuff now. I do. I watch yeah. it, you know, and but it's in the it's in my head. Somebody that I've actually able, and I, I, I'm sure if I talk to Joe about this, we mightily disagree. But I I still watch Woody Allen movies. Mm. Uh, I, I'm of the belief that the the newest, the latest, or whatever accusation against him is might be not BS, but might not be remembered properly. What he did with you know Soon Yi, well, he's been married to her ever since, so. It's weird, but, you know, he stuck with it. Um, you know, I, I, but, you know, that's still in the back of the head, but I still like watching Annie Hall, you know, I mean, to be I honest. Mean, look, if, once you've made a film, it's there forever. It's out right. there. It's forever. Who's going to be there? So I don't think we, we, you know, you find out that someone is a rapist or a serial killer or a pedophile or any, anything, any terrible, horrific thing that somebody does, and then you take that person's film or their book or whatever and you burn it and you erase them from history. Right. Uh, I think that's probably the wrong way to go about things. Also because, you know, like Kevin Spacey and The Usual Suspects, there were hundreds of people who worked on that film whose work is shown. In right, that. right. Right. So there's that. And we have shitty people in our lives. We have shitty people yeah. in our families. We have shitty people around us. I think specifically with the film industry, though, it is now like this. You cannot, like you were saying, you go back and watch Kevin Spacey and you go, man, I can't, I can't get this, you know, this fucking yeah. guy out of my head, so I can't watch it. Right. And I think you, have, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. I don't think... Uh, and I, I, I know people are like this, who are absolute fucking assholes and, and are that way in their personal life. Yeah. And they pull up on set and they treat people like shit. And I've worked with people like this. They treat, they treat people in their personal lives who are closest to them like shit. They treat the crew like shit. They treat the director like shit. They treat everybody like shit. And then they go on, you know, Good Morning America, and they're like, hey, I'm just a guy just like you. I'm a, and they do this sweet, slick tongue bullshit. I think the days of being able to do that are quickly drawing to a close because everybody's got. I said this to an actor one time that I was working with. I said, you know what your problem is, man? You're one bad cell phone video away from never being able to work again. Yeah. And, and you can't do that shit anymore. And where I was going with Anthony Mackie is I fucking love that guy. Like, he was yeah. so great. He was so great. Like, you never saw him losing his shit over something trivial, you know? Like, he was always just steady hand. And those are the guys I want to work with. This Maybe yeah. this is a technology, but when Leo DiCaprio in The Departed, he's like, I, you know, I've stood you know, this close from somebody who's blowing somebody else's brains out. And you know what my hand is? Steady. Every yeah. time. It does not shake. Like, those are the kinds of people that that I want to work with. And people like Keanu Reeves, like Keanu Reeves is an absolute gem. And that's yeah. not to say you can't have creative differences and, and arguments. No, no. That's but you're talking about as a person. Yeah, I'm talking about people who treat people like shit. I think that's over. And you know, I've seen it. Like, 
around town, man, like with Andre and I putting these things together, we'll get into meetings, like finance meetings and casting. Like we'll be working with casting directors and they'll go, you know, all right, here's my top five for this role. Like bump, 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 bump. And then another financier go, nope, on that guy. That's not happening. Why? Well, he did this on this movie, fucking absolutely obliterated this, you know, gal in wardrobe and sent her home crying and she had a nervous breakdown. It's like, oh, well, all right, fuck that guy. He's off the list. Next. Like, I just think people now are so precious about their time because yeah. we've lost a year. Well, and they also don't want to be involved in bullshit either. Yeah, man. Like, they don't want they don't want somebody like tearing apart the work they're doing because somebody fucked up. Yeah, you know, I I had this conversation um, uh, with Joe uh, uh, Carnahan recently. I had it with a couple other people too, but he said something really cool. He said he said, you know what, I'm not. And and he goes and he goes, I don't know. You might surprise me one day, but I get the sense that you're not either. You're not a fraud. He's like, you just this is who you are. It's kind of out the mistakes that you make, you just make them, make them in public. <laughs> you tell people what, you know, what it is. And yeah, that's kind not of not controlled. Yeah. He's like, you know, there's nothing worse than somebody who is purporting to be something that he or she is not. And right. you know, that's, that's how I feel, man. I just want to surround myself with like authentic uh, individuals, people who are about authenticity and truth and, and being kind to people. Yeah. It's cool. You know? Yeah. And if they're not, punch them in the fucking face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a good place to end on. Um, Hey, dude, it's so good to catch up with you, too. Yeah, yeah. It's good to do it in in person, sort of. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, well, we'll we'll definitely be talking. I I think we should definitely talk when uh, you got the stuff actually coming out. But it's it's good to kind of stake your announcements on on what's coming up. uh, you're working, and just to remind people, you're working on On Our Way. On Our Way. Uh, on Our Way production right now. Uh, we have uh, Hit, Kick, Punch, Kill, which is in development. Shanghai Tunnel and Rare Breed, both television shows that we're shopping around. And I'm working on uh, just locked down two, two scripts that I'm, I'm writing right now that uh, are so great. And so, dude, this project I'm working on right now is so rewarding. Like, it's so just good to be, like, working in this place that's, uh, it's just fantastic. Boxcar Pictures, Andrea yeah. Buco, follow me on social media. Uh, if you want to be Adam G. Si- Adam Belgabe <laughs> or G. Simon or however you come up on social media, we'll put all the links on everything yeah. so people will see it. And, and sorry, I have to, I forgot one more question. Like, cause I got to ask, because... Oh, shit. I asked you about what happened with the raid. The raid. Um, what raid you, or what can you say about the raid? Raid's still alive, baby. Uh, Joe, Joe, you know, it's not the raid. Uh, it's it's right. called Zeno. It's uh, called what? Zeno. Uh, Z-E-N-O. Okay. Um, it's... Uh, That's an it, interesting title. Yeah. It, dude, it's... It's my favorite thing. Like, it just is. It, just because, you know, the work that Joe and I did on it, um, this might be a cl- bit of clarification. Joe and I own the script. Like, yeah. we worked on it together. 
So yeah. we were partners in the truest sense of the word and, and, um, and got that thing done. So it's still on the table. We're still, we're still putting it together. And obviously because of everything going on. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, so it's, it's still moving forward. It's still doing well. And, and, uh, we'll, you know, I, you know, had a conversation about this last week where I just said, look, look, man, like, I love this thing. I want to see it done. I want to see it across the finish line. I'm now starting to get some things in place where, where maybe I can help facilitate this in a different capacity other than a writer. Yeah. Um, and that's what I want to do. I just want to see it in May, man. Like, I want yeah, to- yeah. Well, I do too at this point. We, I mean, hell, I've been seeing it talked about for like five years. One of my favorite things that I've worked on. Like, I love <laughs> hit, kick, punch, kill. Like, that's yeah. Like that's that's like I, I gotta say that's one of my favorite titles. It's fun, man. Like I mean, it, it, punch kill is just like somebody you know. These guys came to me and said, "Do whatever the fuck you want. Like just go." <laughs> when, like, when you've got those four words as your title, you can literally do anything. And when I, when I'm writing and I'm sending pages, and they were like, and I'm like, really? Like seriously? Like I started putting stuff in there where I'm like, you're really gonna green light this thing? Like you're right. <laughs> But it's it was so much well, fun because there's a market there's a market for kind of just I th- I think going back to what we were talking about earlier with all the the streaming options there's a market for going balls out nuts yeah and off the road off off way off road this with, is off road <laughs> you know, and it's like it, there's a place for this it may not be universally accepted but there's going to be people like you can do something crazy. Yeah, make it, and people will watch it and talk about it. it it's off road, and I, and going back to Zeno, like I love Zeno because it's such a it, it's it's some of the best stuff that I've been able to do, and also has a lot of great memories. Like Joe and I trading trading pages back and forth yeah. it was so much fun, and and I had the you know similar experience working with Lynch on Point Blank. Like we sat in a room and just went back and forth, cashed it out. Yeah, so it's got like uh, memories infused into the pages that I just love, and, and it's really cool, man. I'm you know, talking talking to you really, because I've got fifty five pages done for the thing I'm writing, and in talking to you, it's like you know, I just I gotta be honest, like I, this year has not been the cre- like doing this has been my creative outlet, but writing, I wish I had done more writing in the last year, which is one thing you know I kind of get on, but I also like I said, I already have two jobs. And I do, you know, set yeah. this up and everything else. And it's like, you know, by that point, it's like, you know, and all the stress that's going on in the world and everything, it's like, I, I didn't have like the, the the creative mind. And I sometimes I would have the creative mind when I was almost asleep and I'm like, but you've got to get up in the morning to work. <laughs> you know, it's like, but I still have this nasty because Joe lit that spark in me to write. Yeah. And and I, hopefully I'll be talking to him for boss level. Cool. Um, but you know, talking to you, always talking to you gets me energized. Man, look, if it's a, a I appreciate that. You get me energized. Like if it's a, if it's a paragraph, it's a, if it's a sentence, it, like I've learned to just let go of some kind of quota on myself and yeah. I'll just sit down and go, okay, I wrote that line. I wrote that line today. Like I wrote yeah. that fucking line. And sometimes it's staring at a screen and, or, or, you know, doing but writing is always rewriting, and that's that's the thing I, I get hung up. But I also was th- listening to, I was listening to uh, an old podcast of the chef David Chang, mm. uh, Momofuku Group, and he basically was I, no, no, it was it was him talking to David Cho, the artist. 
The guy that uh, did the art for Facebook and then got paid in Facebook stock and, you know, was a millionaire for it. Um, he, he talked about just killing the fear in you to do what you need to do. That, yeah. that the fear is what holds people back, he thinks. You yeah. know, he says. Now, it's, in his case, it led to somewhat aberrant behavior, but, um, you know, yeah. it's the, that idea of, I just, heard, I just heard this podcast from like two or three years ago, and he was just talking about killing the fear in you, and that really, really stuck with me, and I've been trying, because I've been led such a fear-filled life, you know. And Listen, man, we're all afraid. We're all afraid. Yeah. We're all afraid. We, we all deal with fear. I, I, man, I thank God I got somebody in my corner, like yeah. Andrea, who is just simply saying, she's not a yes person. She's not going, you're brilliant. This stuff's great. And like, in right. fact, opposite. She's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. But what I love is she's always saying, get up. Like, okay, you're not happy? Cool, get up. Yeah. Like, you didn't do it? Do it again. Like, Hit it again. Like she just, yeah. she, it's that forward kind of thing. I mean, after point blank, I took some hits, man. Like I, I, you know, there was this one guy, uh, actor who I really, really, you know, had a good relationship with, respected, you know, whatever, um, who, who said, you know, uh, you know, uh, the problem with your writing is you, you, you're sweet. You put all this sweet shit in there. Like nobody cares. And, and then to go on and kind of diss me as a, as a writer. And that was kind of weird. Uh, that made me, you know, as, as it would to anybody, made you kind of go, wait a minute, do I need to recalibrate here? So I just went back into the lab, banged out eight scripts, and was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm back on. And I, you know, but there was a lot of fear uh, in that. I can deal with somebody in my face. In fact, I prefer it. I just yeah. don't. That's not you a definitely seem like the person that that can handle confrontation. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like, I'm that person. It's like if you got a problem with me, I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna tell you. Like, I'll, I'll show up at your house and I'll tell you. And if I don't show up at their at your house, there's a good reason for it. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I I just you know I like you know. Speaking to your thing about fear, I just think it's it goes back to that thing we were talking about in the beginning. Just keep keep moving, even if it's a line or a you know just a, a scene or a page. Just every day, just just put something down. Put something yeah. down, even if you're speaking into a recorder while you're driving. Like I've I've done that before. I've dictated yeah. out scenes while I'm driving. Um, but also look at who's around you, brother. Like. Um, look at the people around you because I, I tell you what, man, like my camp and it's not even my camp. I would say the camp that's around me with boxcar and these brilliant, ferocious, uh, freaking females that are just <laughs> killing the game. And they make yeah. these Hollywood pop guys just look like little gingerbread men, yeah. um, is so dope like the camp it's like the, you are the company you keep you know Nick I think it was the secret to success is surrounding yourself with people that are more intelligent than you but not being intimidated about it like right. that kind of flow not not being a fraud and trying to perpetuate something right, uh, right. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I definitely see that see that with you. I don't see, you know, you're, you've always uh, been a no-bullshit guy, and that's something I appreciate. I, I try to be um, generally some, I mean, I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older. Um, you know, I before, like, before I started interviewing people, I wasn't a guy that could tell anybody anything. Yeah. I suffered abuse and, and all this stuff just because I want, you know, I was just this timid guy and, and you know, and, and, and not that I'm a ferocious person now, but I, I don't put up with shit like I used to. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, we're, we're two of the same people. We're just the universe looking at itself. Yeah. That's and and yeah. I believe in you, man, and I, I believe in what you're doing. Keep going. Yeah, definitely. And I appreciate you coming on, and I, I definitely want to talk sure. to you. Uh, again, when when he, we got uh, some stuff coming out, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm really happy. Baby. And uh, we'll talk again soon, man. All right, man. Appreciate you. Later, you. man. Be Thank well. You. All right, bye.